How are we doing today? We good? We good? Hey, uh, man, so good to be with you. I want to welcome everybody gathered across all of our locations and online. And I just want to wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Honestly, I was just reflecting over the last couple of days just how grateful uh, I am for each and every one of you and for just this sweet season that God has us in as a church family. I truly, truly am grateful. And uh, today, uh, man, we've, I've got a lot of ground to cover, very little time to do it. And so I want to jump right in here. Uh, but first of all, I just want to let you know that next weekend, Pastor Ryan's going to be here to wrap up this series that we have been in. And then two weeks from today, we launch our Christmas series. It's going to be three weeks long leading up to Christmas. And I want to just kind of forecast for you what that series is and why we're doing it and your role to play in it. All right. Uh, on week one of this series, if you guys were here, I kind of uh, introduced you to this Venn diagram. Uh, hopefully you remember this. And if you were not here, basically what I did was I just kind of walked through this and I said, out of the New Testament, we see these three streams or three circles of churches that come out of the New Testament. We've got Word of God churches on mission with God, uh, empowered by the Spirit of God. And I just simply made this observation that even as you look at each of those circles, there might be one of those that you kind of identify or sort of drift towards. Um, and uh, maybe it was the church that you grew up in. Uh, maybe it was the church that you came to know Christ in. Uh, maybe it's just your personality just kind of leans towards one of those. And uh, I would say all three of those are um, perfectly great. You know, they're all found in scripture. They're all reflective of the Trinity. We've got God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then I just made this observation that as a church, we aspire to be like kind of right in the bullseye of the middle of that, that we wanna be a word of God church uh, we want to be passionate about the mission of God to reach people that are really, really far from him. And we want to be filled with the spirit of God as we do it. And week one of this series, I just said, we want to help people know God. And that word know in the original language is not just head knowledge. Like, I don't want you to just know about God. I want you to know God with your heart, like this personal relationship with him. And so because of that, as a church, then we, at times we're going to build bridges, uh, so to speak, into the lives of people that are really far from God, not track and not connected to church. Now we want to be a word of God church. So we'll do eight week series in Daniel. We'll do 10 week series in Romans. Uh, but also we're on mission with God, which means periodically we'll do a sermon series that'll be a little bit shorter as a bridge building event so that you can invite your friends. And, and here's what I'm praying will happen. God will put a foot in the door in their life and it's an on-ramp to see what he might do in their lives. That's what this Christmas series is about that we're gonna start in two weeks. And so I wanna encourage you to be praying over that, invite friends. We're calling it Christmas at the movies. And I just wanna tell you like what that is and maybe even more importantly, what it isn't. All right, so what I'm gonna be doing every week is I'm gonna be teaching out of the Bible, but I'm gonna be using for illustrative purposes classic Christmas movies. I'll leave it up to you to guess which ones they're gonna be. And, uh, and what I want you to see is the reason why we love them is because the gospel message is woven throughout each of them because story is the language of the human heart. And Jesus knew that. So why Christmas at the movies? For the same reason Jesus taught in parables. About a third of his teaching 
was storytelling. So Jesus knew that if he really wanted to capture not just our minds, but our hearts concerning the love of our heavenly father for us, he didn't just do a doctoral dissertation on atonement. He told stories about lost coins and lost sons. And I'm so glad that he did because story speaks to the heart. So that's what we're doing. Uh, in every message that I teach, I'll always teach out of the Bible and then I'll provide some illustrations. In this series, the movie clips are the illustrations. So I wanna encourage you to invite a friend, somebody that's not connected to church right before Christmas and let's see what God might do. And then we'll reconvene. Our Christmas Eve candle lighting services will be as normal. It's one of the highlights uh, of the year. And so I'm really looking forward to see what God's gonna do. Uh, but today we are in week three of this series called We Are Traders Point. And if you're just now joining us, what we've been doing is walking through this right here. And we've been calling this kind of internal language here, the Great Commission Engine. Now the Great Commission is something that comes out of Matthew 28, where Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And so here's the way that we've kind of chosen to frame it up. Meaning that when you pop the hood of Trader's Point to kind of see what sort of drives us, you're gonna find that. And so we've just been walking through, we wanna help you know God. Last week we talked about, we wanna help people find life-giving relationships that I believe the New Testament church model for us is that it's both big and small that it can't just be one or the other. There's something dynamic that happens about both. And I would even go as far as to say that discipleship is dependent upon relationship. This week, I wanna talk about, like we wanna help you make a difference. Now, I've been looking at the book of Acts together in this series. And the reason why is because it just sort of shows us the birth of the Big C Church. And there's so much that we can learn. So last week, if you were here, we talked about the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls freshly upon this just ordinary group of people. And then they uh, had this like spontaneous baptism where 3000 people gathered together and then they were devoted to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread and to prayer. Well, you get that group of people, that amount of people, 3000 is a lot, all together in one place. It is just a matter of time before you've got a systems problem before you run into some sort of organizational hangup that is actually keeping you from fulfilling the mission. And we read about that in Acts chapter six. So check it out with me. It says in Acts six, starting in verse one, as the believers were rapidly multiplied. Uh, so it uses that word multiply. It didn't say add, it said they were multiplying. There were rumblings of discontent. Huh, imagine that. I can't, I can't even imagine. You got to use your imagination. All right? all right. Father, forgive me. I'm being facetious. All right. So, but it's true. All right. So the Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. All right. So understand like uh, there was a group of people that were just simply being overlooked and their tangible needs weren't being met. So verse two, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God. In other words, they were like, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing here, uh, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. This, we will delegate this to them. Verse four. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. 
Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Now check out verse 7. So God's message continued to spread. That was what needed to take place. Now, this is not just a practical, problem-solving passage. This isn't just a systems issue. This is a spiritual one. So uh, the way that God has sort of set this up, so when like, you come to know Christ and you give your life to him, the way in which you and I grow and mature as followers, and I would even say continue to grow in our relationship with God, is when you refuse to keep that to yourself and you begin to serve other people. And Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a description about this. It says in verse 15, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is, look at these descriptors, healthy, growing, and full of love. So God's design for this, in order for us to continue to, like remember what the mission is, go and make disciples, not just converts, Go and reach people that are really far from God. We cannot keep this to ourselves, but we are a body and each part does its work so that God's message can continue to go out. So let me say it this way. There should be no such thing as the peanut gallery in the local church. Meaning like where a group of people just kind of gather together, you know, maybe once a month, uh, maybe more than that, and just kind of come in and kind of take our seats with our cup of coffee and then receive or watch the professional Christians do ministry on a stage. That's not what this should be about. This is the idea that you have been gifted for a purpose. You have been saved on purpose for a purpose. I had a mentor say this to me when I was in Bible college. He said, Aaron, because we are saved by grace, that ought to make us gracious and generous, generous people. It's this idea that I can't just keep this to myself. I've got to begin to serve. Um, uh, some of you might be like, okay, well, you know, uh, how do I even get started in that? Like, like wh where does that even begin to look like? And it's as simple as just being asked. I was thinking about this this last week. Like the first time that I got into ministry, like I was a college student, and, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't even thinking about going into full-time ministry as a job. And I was just attending my church. And I remember uh, my junior high uh, youth pastor of my home church asked if he could talk to me for five or 10 minutes. I thought I was in trouble. And so I just kind of got like, okay, you know, what do you want? And he said, well, he said, uh, you know, the fall semester's coming up. And he said this, he goes, your name came up. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to be a junior high discipleship group leader this fall semester. Now, two things went through my mind as soon as he said that. Number one is I thought uh, I, was, I was sort of flattered. Right? I was like, oh, my name came up. You know? The second thing that I thought was I can't do this. Like uh, junior high kids, like they'll eat my lunch. Right? Like, I, like I'm intimidated, like I, they, I'll, I'll be so uncool, like I, I won't know what I'm, like I'm, what's qualified me to do this. And so I was really kind of a wrestling match and I just kind of gave him a very weak yes, which is all that it took. 
And that fall semester, I led that junior high D group leader. I don't know who was more blessed, me or I, I know for sure it was me. They challenged me, they stretched me. And that was sort of like the entry point into ministry. The very next thing that happened was I signed up to go on a short-term mission trip uh, with a group of people. About two weeks before we left to go overseas on the mission trip, the leaders of the group called me and they said, hey, Aaron, we're putting together their itinerary. We're gonna be visiting some of these churches and we need somebody to preach. And your name came up. And we just wanted to know if you would have a couple of sermons prepared to preach while on the mission trip. Guys, I had never preached a sermon in my life. And two things came up. I was flattered. Following, I was incredibly intimidated. The first sermon, so that short-term mission trip was in Russia in the summer of 1995, just a few years after communism had fallen. And the first sermon that I ever preached was as a 20-year-old in front of a statue of a hammer and a sickle with an interpreter. And I was like, I'm so out of my league here. And that was enough for God to just get a hold of me. It, most of the time, it comes with an ask. So here's my formal ask of you. That if you're not connected, that if you're not serving in some way, would you be willing to jump in and begin to serve? And here's the reason why. Not only the passages that we just looked at, but because of this. You will, and I'm talking to our church family right here, you will have a ministry within this church that I will never have. And what I mean by that is um, because I'm the pastor and because like my face is plastered on the screen, like I can't even look at that. It's like, ugh, that's uh, gross. Like I, I can't stand the sound of my voice or the look of my face. I just, ugh, I just don't like it. All right, so, but because I'm, I'm so seen around here, I have no anonymity. And so when I walk up to somebody in the lobby and I'm like, hey man, how's it going? And are you new here? And they expect me to be nice because I'm the pastor. They're just like, man, that's your job. But when you do it, there's something very, very profound about that. In fact, I want you to serve in such a way that people would mistake you for staff. And they would be like, so how long have you been on staff here? And you'd be like, I'm not. And they would be like, well, why are you so kind and gracious? And why are you so helpful? And why are you like showing up early and staying late and doing this? And you can say with all integrity, because of what Jesus has done for me, like I want this for as many people as possible. This really came home for me um, many years ago, maybe like 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I met this uh, young single mom who had just begun attending our church. And she uh, was telling me about her experience here. And she said, you know, I showed up with my daughter by myself, didn't know anybody. She goes, I was super intimidated because of the size of the church. And actually we were a lot smaller then. And she was like, man, I was so intimidated. I walked in and, and uh, didn't know where to go. And, and I finally, you know, found the classroom to check my daughter into. And I came into this room and so I sat by myself and, and the, the music was like really like intriguing and, and I enjoyed it. And then the, the, the sermon was really relevant. It really spoke to me. And, and then she said, I got done and I went and picked my daughter up and she loved the kids ministry. She was asking if, if we could come back the next week. And she said, but as I was walking through the lobby out the door, I said to myself, I probably will never come back. And that really threw me. I was like, okay, okay, I'm missing something here. Like you had a great experience all morning long, but you decided in your mind you weren't gonna come back. And she goes, yeah. She goes, because I just didn't know anybody. And it, was, it took a lot of courage to come as a single mom. And I just didn't know if I could keep doing that every week. And so I just thought to myself, this will probably be the last time. And I said, well, what, was, what changed your mind? And she said, well, right as I got ready to hit the front door, uh, I heard my name. Guys, there's something so powerful about hearing your name, especially in an environment where you're not expecting anybody to know your name. 
And she turned around, and there was this lady with a big smile on her face walking towards her. And she, and she goes, I immediately recognized her because it was one of my coworkers. And she walked up to me, and she goes, I didn't know you went to church here. And she goes, I don't. Like, I, this is just my first Sunday. And she said, oh, she goes, well, did somebody show you around? And she goes, well, no, I just went to the kids wing and then I went into the auditorium and that's it. And she goes, well, let me take 10 minutes and just show you around real quick so that way you know your way around. And then she goes, and do you, you and your daughter have plans for lunch? My husband and I would love to treat you guys. And that single mom looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, they are why I came back. Guys, you have a ministry here that I will never have and I actually envy it. It's why when I travel, I love going to churches where nobody knows me. And I can walk in and here's what I love to do is I'll walk in in that anonymity and I'll try to find somebody who looks incredibly uncomfortable to be there. And I will walk up and I'll be like, hey man, is this your first time? And they might be like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, let me show you around. Guys, I don't know what I'm showing them. It's my first Sunday too. <laughs> right? I'm just like totally making it up. And I'm uh, just trying to like help get them connected. I mean, I love that. As an, and, and you've got that opportunity and I wanna give that to you as well. Here's three questions for you to ask as you're looking for opportunities to serve. Real simple. What are my gifts and experiences? What are the things you're like naturally good at? What are the things that you've experienced that you can use? Here's the second question. What are you really passionate about? And then the third question I would say is maybe the most important. What needs to be done? What needs to be done? I, I don't know very many people who go, you know what? I just have the spiritual gift of directing traffic in the parking lot. You know, it's like, no, that's just like needs to be done. And so I want to encourage you to, to jump in on that. And when it comes to Traders Point's outreach focus as a church, in other words, the difference we're trying to make as a church in the world we put it into these three different categories, all right? Like if you're taking notes, you might just kind of jot this down so that way you just are aware and you can pray about this, is that we are trying to plant churches. And we start churches in urban areas all around the world because we believe that if you can change a city, you can change the world. So we plant churches and multiplying movements. So we're trying to multiply, that's why we do multi-site, Honestly, I got that question this last week, like why do we go multi-site? One of the reasons why is because it just multiplies the amount of leaders that we need. And we're trying to start campuses not to grow. We're trying to start campuses where people are driving more than 20 minutes to us so that you can be on mission with us. The second thing is we're just trying to develop leaders or disciples, both for vocational ministry and the marketplace. So we have a leadership college. We have a leadership residency program. We're trying to pour into the next generation of leaders. And many of them will go into full-time vocational ministry. Most will not. And in fact, like if you're here and you're, you're a part of our church, we want to try to build into your leadership for the marketplace so that you are a better employee, so that you are a better boss or a business owner as you represent Christ in the marketplace, modern day Daniels in our community. And then the third uh, kind of bucket that we focus on is just what we might call compassion. We just wanna meet the tangible, physical needs of people who are hurting in our city community and all around the world. So Jesus said in the Great Commission, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then he extended the circle out, uh, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here's a way to say it. We wanna help you make a difference here, near and far. So here in our own church family, uh, those single moms, those 
hurting young men, those kids that come to our church, the body of Christ serving one another when we gather. We also want to help you serve outside the walls of these church in our community and then even to have a heart around the globe. And a, yeah, you can go on our website and find the whole list of outreach partners that we partner with around the globe. But the one that I really want to highlight just in our remaining time together is just the effort that we're trying to make into the lives of vulnerable children and their families, both in our city, it's a huge, huge need, and around the world. And the ministry is called our Foster and Adoption Ministry, or FAM for short. And we have a resource center here on the campus of Northwest where we try to meet physical, tangible needs uh, of uh, foster and adoption and vulnerable children in our own uh, community. And, and here's the reason why. This comes right out of scripture. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. James 1, 27, it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. So we believe that just one of the biggest ways that we can make a difference is by looking out for and caring for vulnerable children. And we want to do that through a number of organizations, both here locally, within our own city, and we also want to do it with an organization that I want to introduce to you today and get you familiar with. It's one of our strategic partners called Missions of Hope International. And they are based out of Kenya, Africa. And in fact, I first got introduced to Missions of Hope in my first year here at Traders Point. It was 2008. And I got invited to go over to Kenya. I didn't know anybody, didn't know the connection. And what they were doing, they, they work in one of the largest slums in the world called the Mathari Valley. And they were coming along looking for churches to partner with in which we would uh, sponsor uh, one of the communities within the Mathari Valley. Meaning that we would come along in prayer support, financial support, um, and even short-term uh, trips that we would send people over to. And uh, that we would kind of sponsor that area. And so they wanted me to uh, consider uh, our church sponsoring Bondini. And so I go over there and I'm like, great, man, let's drive through. And they're like, no, we can't. It's far too dangerous. In fact, like in the middle of the day, like we can't take you through. And they said, this is going to be one of the toughest communities to break into. And I was like, great, we'll take that one. We'll take the hardest one. So they take me up on this hillside to kind of look down into Bondini. And there's this river that kind of flows through the community. And there's all this like sewage that flows through the river. And there were these men down there making this homemade brew, this beer in that like filthy water. And we were kind of standing up on the uh, hillside, kind of overlooking that community. We were just praying over it. I'll never forget. Uh, they, they saw us up there and they looked up and they flipped us off. And I was just like, all right, you know, welcome to Bondini, right? And, uh, and since that time, guys, we have helped start a church in that community. We have sent multiple short-term uh, trips to Bondini. We've started a school. The school burned down. We rebuilt the school. Uh, and we've sponsored hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids uh, in that area. And now, if you were to go over there, not only is it safe to drive through, like we can walk through. People know who Traders Point is. It is amazing to see how revolutionary that has been. And so uh, right now, uh, I want to go ahead and uh, introduce you to the leaders of Missions of Hope International. They are with us today. So would you please, as they come out on stage, would you please give a warm Traders Point welcome uh, to Mary and Wallace come out.
Hey guys, so good to be with you. Uh, um, we uh, made sure to turn the temperature down for your visit outside. So glad, glad you guys could be here with us. And um, Mary and Wallace, uh, thank you for taking the time to travel all this way to be with our church. In fact, in many ways, like we feel like um, you're a part of our church family. And, uh, and, in, and in many ways, I feel like I'm a part of Missions of Hope International, what God's doing over there. The partnership between us over the last 15 years, it's really been pretty amazing to see. And I, I want you to know, like, this is a power couple right here. Like, like what's happening in Kenya due to their leadership is simply phenomenal. Like, I, I want, I've been saying this for years. I don't know if I've ever said this to your face, but I'll say it now. Um, I, like, want to, like, nominate them for, like, a Nobel Peace Prize for what they have been doing in Kenya. It's simply astounding. And I'm gonna let them speak to this, but I just want you to know that um, uh, Mary was a, a college student in, in Nairobi and uh, she had no idea that the slums existed. Now we're talking like slums, we're talking some of the worst of the worst poverty conditions you can imagine. And she went to a school with a, a boy who grew up in the Mathari Valley. He was telling her about it, she didn't believe him. So after class, she went down to check it out for herself. She was stunned by what she saw, like little kids just playing in sewage, just the extreme poverty. And so like little hope, no education, no access to healthcare or nutritious meals. So she began to spend time with these kids on just her own time after school. That started with like 50 kids. I'm gonna let her kind of tell you how this has grown. And uh, it start, they started what's called Missions of Hope International. And so, Mary, uh, tell us a little bit from that just, you know, experience that God had in your life where you went and you saw it. What has missions be hope, uh, become today? And just what's the scope of the ministry? Thank you. Um, having learned about this community, uh, after we were married uh, in the year 2000, God laid it on our hearts to start a school so that as the children come to the school, they can give us an entry point to their families. We can be able to evangelize to their families, we can be able to disciple them, connect them to a local church, but also economically empower them so that they can be able to earn a decent living and uh, be able to empower them through different programs. And so in the year 2000, we started with 50 kids, and over the last 22 years, God has just uh, blessed our ministry because of partners like Traders Point, and today we have that two schools across Kenya, not only in the slums, but also in the rural communities, and we have 25,000 students attending oh, yeah, our yeah, schools. Yeah, I'll say that again. <clears throat> 25,000 students. Like, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yes. And then, uh, of course, through the economic empowerment to the families, we teach them and train them on how they can start and run and grow small businesses. Mm. We also teach them on different kind of uh, skills that they can use to find jobs or start businesses. We also have health programs. We have both medical and dental clinics across in our communities. And we also plant churches. Mm. Currently, we have planted 34 churches in all these different communities, and the story continues. Absolutely, absolutely, I love it. So Wallace, t tell us a little bit about just um, how the partnership between our church and Missions of Hope, like what has that been, what has that been enabling you guys to do and to accomplish? 
Yeah, we are so thankful because of our partnership with the Traders Point. Uh, because as you said, we are in Bondeni. Bondeni, by the way, is the lowest point of the valley. And uh, in that community, which was one of the hardest communities to penetrate, we, we now have a church that is thriving. Mm. And uh, we have a school with an enrollment of over 900 children. Mm. And uh, transformation is taking place in that community. And it's not only that. Uh, we are now in a new community called uh, Kilifi, uh, specifically in a village that is called Kibarani, where we have a model school. Uh, in year 2020, we celebrated 20 years of ministry, and we launched a new strategy. We call it Mohi 2.0, whereby as we start a school, we are building a chapel alongside the school. Mm. And so Traders Point, you partnered with us, and now we have the first model school of mm. that new strategy. And yeah. uh, we are so thankful to God. Uh, you also have come alongside us because as the ministry grows with all these 32 schools and we are anticipating uh, to have 100 schools in, a, in the next 10 years, we have to develop leaders. Mm. And you have come alongside us in a leadership development program where you have allowed us to use the same version that you have here. We have customized and it's so, so, so helpful. And uh, at the same time, you are partnering with TCMI in uh, a pastoral program whereby they are training our pastors and building their capacity through a master's program. Mm. And uh, you two are also partnering with uh, Stadia, who are our church planting partner. Yeah. So we are very, very thankful for the partnership with uh, Traders Point. Yeah, and you know, the, the, the learnings are like two-way. So like we had a team that just went over, what, a couple months ago? October. October. Yeah. And uh, just to spend some time with the leadership development side of things. And they came back and they were like, hey, Missions of Hope does things so well, we need to learn from them. And then there were some things that we could offer, some tools out of our toolbox to kind of help you guys. And so this is like this beautiful partnership. Uh, Mary, you are one of the most, you, hands down, you're the most visionary person that I know. I've gotten a chance to sit next to you on an airplane and to hear you talk about your vision is amazing. It actually humbles me. Like I thought I had a lot of vision, not compared to her. Like her vision is amazing and God is using it in big ways. And guys, now we, we were in uh, Nairobi with them. We're still continuing to partner there, but now we've gone out to the coast, uh, Khalifi. And in 2019, pre-COVID, I got a chance to just go out. Uh, uh, they took us out to, to view it all. And there was already a school there, but there wasn't the, a facility. And uh, we were able just to catch a vision for what God was, could use us for. What I love about their ministry is that there's, it's like these three legs of a stool. You've got the churches that they plant, you've got the schools that they're providing, plus the healthcare and the, the microfinance. So that way there's like the, the holistic person that we're trying to, to uh, um, minister to. And what that's doing is it's providing a pathway for people out of poverty in a, in a way that sticks. And so I just want to thank you guys uh, for the work that you continue to do. Tell us um, um, what child sponsorship is and why it's so crucial to what you do. 
When you sponsor a child with $40 a month, you are actually giving this child um, like a lifeline. It's like you are giving them an opportunity to break out of the cycle of poverty, making a huge difference because this child comes to one of our schools. While they are in school, they are able to get two meals a day. They are taught the word of God in our schools Every day, our children have devotions. We also have Saturday programs, which is like a VBS type of a program. We also have mentorship programs for these children. And these children also are able to get Christian teachers because in our schools, through the sponsorship funds that you provide, we are able to employ teachers, Christian teachers, who get to love on these kids. And then we also have social workers who connect the schools to the families, and that is how come we are able to reach out to the families and of course the it's not uh, only the child the one child that you sponsor benefits but it is actually the entire family mm. because this child is the one who gives us the entry point to their family and then to the community as a whole and of course this child is also able to get basic health care in our clinics may it be dental or medical and they are also able to have their parents empowered uh, through missions of hope so it is that holistic ministry starting with the child then going to the family and to the entire community yeah yeah and i i you know i can't think of any other single thing that any of us could do individually or collectively as a church that makes as big of a difference as child sponsorship. And so I want you to take a look at the screens at this story. I was born and raised in the slums of Mathari Valley. I lived with my mom, grandmother, and baby brother. I knew nothing of my father. Mathari Valley is an unforgiving place to call home. People see nothing good can come from there. But when I was four, I was given an opportunity. I was selected as one of the first 50 kids at Missions of Hope. Mohi, I was safe. I had two meals a day and medical care. It's a great school with amazing teachers who loved me and taught me about how God loved me. One night when I was 10, I woke up to the smell of smoke. Our house was burning. We were able to escape, but we lost everything. We had to start over. Mom fell into depression. I was left to take care of my brother. A few years later, Mohi provided a way for me to attend a boarding school. In high school, they paid my school fees, bus fare, and even pocket money. They made sure that all I needed to do was focus on school. That is when my mom passed away. I had to be an adult for me and my brother. I really thought about giving up and not going back to school. I think about that time even now. 
but I do believe that good things can come from the Matare Valley. Mohi gave me a loan for college and was able to graduate in 2019 to pursue a career in law. After becoming a lawyer, I went back to school and recently was sworn in as an advocate of the High Court of Kenya. Life in Mathare is hard, but I let the challenges make me stronger. I never want to get to the point of giving up. Today, I am an example that good things do come from the Mathare Valley. Today, I am an advocate for others because someone was an advocate for me. Soon, I'll become a child sponsor so that I can impact her life the same way my sponsor impacted me. Together, we can bring hope and transform lives for Christ. Isn't that amazing? Man. I am. Uh... I love her line where she said, today I'm going to become an advocate for others because somebody was an advocate for me. Guys, that's the gospel message. Is that God advocated for us. He sent Jesus to adopt us as sons and daughters into his family so that we could become heirs. And now we don't keep that to ourselves. We extend that out. Because we're saved by grace, that ought to make us gracious and generous. So here's what we're going to do today across all of our campuses. We're going to sponsor a whole bunch of kids. All right. And uh, yeah, we can clap for that. All right. And uh, uh, f uh, first hour alone, we've already sponsored like well over 500 kids. All right. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do the rest of this day. Now, let me just tell you, like, this is not meant to be a high pressure, hard sell kind of a thing. Nobody's twisting your arm. If you're like, man, I already, I already sponsored kids or I'm just not in a place to do this, man, that is totally fine. You know, we just want you to pray over like what, what's happening at Missions of Hope. But if you are in a place where you can say, you know what, I, I feel, I'm feeling like God is leading me to do this or, you know what, I'm gonna go to Starbucks a few less times a month so that way I can sponsor a child, then I wanna encourage you here's just a few moments. Uh, we're going to provide you time to do this. You can just get up where you are and you'll see uh, these racks all around the room that have, have packets of kids that need to be sponsored right now in the community that we're partnering with Missions of Hope in. And so I just want you to get up, uh, come down and grab a packet. I know that our uh, impulse as people is to, you know, kind of you know, rifle through and maybe kind of find the, the kid that we really want. And uh, that's totally understandable. But uh, I just ask you just to grab a packet. Like all of these kids need to be sponsored. And then take it back to your seat. Fill, spend a little bit of time filling out this bottom section. And this is so important. Uh, do not leave the building with the bottom section in your possession. You need to fill it out, rip it out, uh, pass it off to one of the volunteers in the bins as you leave. If you take the bottom section with you, this child ends up in sponsorship purgatory for a few months. Us trying to figure out where they are. All right, so, so rip off the bottom portion, leave it here. You can take the top portion with you. Uh, as we said, $40 a month, what it does is it provides two nutritious meals a day. It provides them an opportunity to go to school. It provides them medical and dental care, uh, uh, people to come around them and mentor them in discipleship and care for them. And you see the impact that it makes. 
if you are under the age of 18, you need to talk to mom and dad first before you grab these, all right? So we don't want a bunch of, you know, surprises that mom, dad, surprise, you got six extra kids. You know, it's like, let's not do that. All right, let's talk to them first. And uh, I just want you to spend a few moments in prayer. And if you're feeling like God is leading you to do this, you know, as a church, one of the things that I love about just the size of our church is we can make a sizable impact around the world. And this is an opportunity to do that. And as I said before, the reason why we do this is because this is our response for what God has done for us. I just wanna read a passage of scripture over you before I pray. It's Galatians 4, and it says this, and this is the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. That word Abba just means daddy. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Let's do this, not because anybody's pressuring you to, Let's do this not so that you can, you know, feel good about the fact that you're sending some money overseas to a child. Let's do this because God gave everything to reconcile you back to him as his son or his daughter. And now it's just our response to make a difference in this hurting world in which we live. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you right now and we're so grateful that we get to be a part of a church where Individually, we can make a difference, and we should. Collectively, the difference that we can make when we all put our shoulder into this is profound. And so God, today, in these few moments together, I just ask that as a church family, we would see hundreds of children's lives changed forever because of our desire to respond to what you've so freely given to us. And we ask this right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said...